0: Welcome to Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Guy from Guy's Woodshop, and as always, I'm joined by Hui Huynh, the Alabama woodworker. Say hello, Hui.
1: Hello, Guy. And Brian Schmidt. Hey, everyone. Good evening. Uh, Hello, Brian.
0: This podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. And we do have a Patreon account. Right now, we have one level. It's kind of like a tip jar. And we're simply asking for a small donation just to try to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. So please go to patreon.com slash woodshop life and stay tuned to the end of the show to, to uh, hear what we've got going on in our shops. Or in my case, what I don't have going on in my shop. <laughs> so we're going to get right into it. And uh, Brian, I'm going to shoot the first question to you.
2: What do All you got? Right, here we go. Here we go. This question is from Chuck Lovelady and Chuck has submitted several really good questions. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. Chuck writes, I inherited my dad's woodworking tools almost 20 years ago. I've upgraded several tools over the years. Most significantly, I replaced his craftsman contractor table saw with a SawStop PCS-175 five years ago. I bought it for the safety mechanism, but I've really enjoyed using a cabinet saw while I consistently use the riving knife. I've seldom used the blade guard cover. I like being able to clearly see the blade meeting the wood. Question How do you balance safety and convenience in your wood shop? Thank you, Chuck. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a really good question because I, I, I think we're just all constantly faced with decisions about convenience and efficiency and safety. Yeah. And I've found myself being a little more hyper vigilant with safety lately. And I used to do a really bad job of wearing safety glasses. And now I won't, I won't do anything, even, even that one simple rip on the table saw without them. So for me, I've set a few hard and fast rules for things that I won't compromise safety on. If I'm using the table saw or the router table or a handheld router, I'm always going to have my glasses on. And I may have the glasses on if I'm using the planer or the joiner, but definitely Mm -hmm. on those other machines. I'm always going to have my dust mask on just kind of an over the head, um, 3M dust mask. I'll always wear that when I'm sanding and when I'm operating the table saw as well. Um, to wear hearing protection. I always, if I'm using any power tools, even just sanding, I always have my isotunes like, uh, the link, I think it's the orange earmuffs. I really like those because you can listen to music or uh, podcasts while you sand. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, and and I will not listen to anything when I'm using router, table, table saw, joiner, planer, because I like hearing the pitch of the machine uh, yeah. to, to kind of sense if it's telling me that I'm pushing it too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Guy, what about you? How do you balance safety and convenience in your workshop?
0: Um, I we, we talk about this all the time at work, Brian. So, this is going to be stuff you've heard before. Um, every time I walk into the shop, I tell myself, I say to myself in the back of my head, Today is not the day I cut my fingers off. <laughs> um, Amen. every time I walk up to a machine, I say in my head three times, Safety, safety, safety. I've, yeah. I learned that thirty some years ago, and I still do it to this day. Hmm. Um, I no matter what, I always know where my hands are in relationship to the saw blade, mm-hmm. whether it's a saw blade, router blade, jigsaw blade, whatever blade it is. I always know where my hands are. Um, the number one safety rule that I always talk about at work, which what what is it, Brian?
2: <laughs> um, how is this? How is this machine going to kill me today? No, <laughs> no. Um, the, the
0: number one rule of shop safety is don't stick your fingers in the oh, spinning yeah. blades. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's how I balance it. I don't stick my fingers in the blades. I, it's it's really it. It sounds simple, mm-hmm. and it is, but it isn't.
2: What are some of the we what are some of the areas that that you find yourself sort of back and forth on or, or finding maybe a, a little more of a gray area on safety where um, there's a convenience benefit and maybe the safety risk isn't too terribly high? What's an example or two of that that you find in your shop? Oh gosh. Um on,
1: to be to be really honest, I think I think honestly, maybe the only thing I could think of is just not having the blade guard on the table saw blade. Uh yeah. and and to me, it becomes a little bit of a hindrance, not on safety, but on clearly seeing the work as it goes through the machine. I feel as though that's the only otherwise I'd have it on there. But but I, I just like seeing the blade as it cuts the material, and to me, I just feel safer not having that blade guard. So I understand where the um, the listeners coming from, not having it on there, because I, it just does I, – I used to do it, and I feel like I can't get as clean of cut. I feel like I, it's just a hindrance to me. Now, I'm saying all this, and what happened two weeks ago, you guys <laughs> – <laughs> my little, my little cut on the end of my, on the tip of my finger there, yeah. which by the way, it's all like pretty much healed up and you know, I didn't lose anything. Yeah. Um, But man, that was, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy that, that you brought up this question because you know, here I am, I'm, I'm pattern routing a small piece, right? It's about like eight and a half by five, but it's got curves and everything. And I'm holding it with my fingers like this, Right. And so when the, when the piece flipped over, like what, what's sticking out my fingers? Um, I should have been using paddles. I should, you know, so, um, I would say that maybe the one place where I was a little bit too lax was probably the router table as of recently. And, uh, and I learned my lesson and, uh, yeah, it bit me and I'm really, really happy. I didn't lose any fingers. I didn't lose a nail. I didn't, you know. I am a little bit numb at the tip of that finger, though. It's just kind of weird because it felt like uh, like it got clobbered, like it got hammered on. But anyway, no, I, I try not to take any shortcuts in terms of safety when it comes to it, especially now. But if I were to say there was one place, it probably would have been a router table. I just became way too comfortable with it.
0: I, th- I think one of the, the, the biggest things for me And it's, it's always hard. It's a, it's a, it's a struggle. Every time I go in the shop, it's like, I'm going to do something and the safety device I need, whether it's a push paddle or a push stick or whatever, it's out of arm's reach. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I just got this one cut.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: You know, and then I stop myself and I go, oh, you're so lazy. And that's the thing we get, we get lazy. We get complacent.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I
0: think that a complacency is the 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 biggest safety thing that that we face in the shop.
1: So so I'll I'll say one more thing, and, and, and then we can move on. Probably glasses, safety glasses, and maybe hearing protection. Every now and then, I was like, I just gotta make one cut. I just gotta make one cut. So I won't put on my glasses. I won't put on my hearing protection.
2: Yeah, and and Chuck, maybe the the last point I would make is is kind of go through a risk risk analysis on it you know if you if you take off the overguard or the overblade guard you know that cr- that increases the risk profile for for a cut at the table saw but what are some ways you can mitigate that risk um maybe it's using featherboard and a really in the right push stick or push paddle um maybe it's making sure that you're standing in such a way that even if there was kickback you know it's going to avoid you so um there's some convenience in not having that on there but you can you can take a few steps to to at least mitigate uh the risk of something really severe happening if it does.
1: Yeah, for
2: sure. Okay. All
0: right. Uh Hui, we're going to kick over to you.
1: All right. So this is from Blair's woodshop. Blair has submitted questions before. Uh hey all, another question. I wanted to get into spring finish. I've seen the option and have heard decent things about the Harbor Freight paint sprayer with the regulator, which is somewhere along the lines of $30. I'm wondering what you guys think of it or if any of you have any experience with it. I have a 30-gallon air compressor, and I'm only looking at small pieces up to a nightstand size, so I think this should suffice. I would love to get a four-stage, but that is very much out of the question price-wise right now. Also, I'm looking to mostly spray shellac and conversion varnish. How easy is it to clean? Guy makes it sound extremely easy, so I'm curious if Guy or Hui have any videos about cleaning. Sorry, I know it's long-winded, but thank you guys for what you do. Look forward to hearing the answers, Blair Woodshop, Blair's Woodshop. Well, actually, uh, I, I don't have a video on that uh, paint sprayer, but I believe Eric Reeson.
0: Am I right on that? I think he Eric, has a Eric video Reason on it. Eric Reeson has videos
1: on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and and he he really likes it a lot. And for thirty dollars, that's it's not a bad that's not a bad deal uh, to get a conversion gun. I believe it's called a conversion gun when it runs off the air compressor. Yeah, um, but
0: it's not HVLP.
1: It's not. No. Okay. It's just okay. a
0: regular spray gun.
1: It's just. A, I, it's, believe,
0: it's, I believe. Yeah, I believe. I believe
1: no, I think I, and I think you're right. Now, the one thing that I would say about having that 30-gallon air compressor, while the volume might be right, you have to consider how much that pump is replenishing the air and how long it takes to replenish the air in that tank. So I believe the recommended CFM for a compressor uh, to use a that Harbor Freight gun is somewhere around 10 CFM. Uh, what that means is that it's 10 cubic feet per minute of air being pumped back into that tank. And you need that volume to replenish so that you can, you essentially can spray with it. Um, th- I think the issue that you're going to have is not necessarily the size of your air compressor, but how long it takes to recharge that air compressor. Um, in terms of cleaning, super easy. Uh, If you're spraying shellac, use denatured alcohol, swirl it around in there, spray it out, um, and then just let it pretty much air dry because it dries pretty fast. Uh, Conversion varnish, if it's water-based conversion varnish, obviously water. If it's not water-based conversion varnish, it's... uh, What do you use? Is it uh, lacquer thinner? Is that right? Lacquer thinner? Or acetone? Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't use a <laughs> uh, solvent based uh, conversion varnish. Uh, I did that once, and it's just extraordinarily stinky. Uh, Guy, what what are your thoughts on here? Because you he did ask you about you know how the ease of cleaning. Is there something else that you could add to this?
0: No, it, it's actually all that stuff is pretty easy to clean. You just got to get the right thinner for whatever you're using. You know, shellac is you know you can use denatured alcohol, water based conversion varnish is obviously water.
1: Mm-hmm. And yep. you just
0: fill up the the cup with the with the water and or or some. Uh, well, I'm having a hard time talking tonight.
1: Um, <laughs> Cleaning agent. <laughs>
0: yeah, whatever the whatever the the solvent is, and just spraying it. Yeah. Into into mm-hmm. a bucket. I mean, it's actually pretty easy. You just take it apart, you wipe it off, and you're done. I can clean one like one of my guns and less than five minutes. It's yeah, not it a big its deal. Pre- it's pre- it's pre- pretty pre- easy. Yeah. As far as what I'd recommend for a cheap gun, I, I'm not familiar with the Harbor Freight, but I think that one you're talking, I don't know if it's, I do not believe it's an HVLP gun. I think it's just a regular spray gun. Spray gun, yeah. Um, uh, you might want to take a look at the Erlex system those are about three hundred dollars it's not they're not cheap but they also make and I think Rockler sells it it's a erlux makes it, it's just a standalone thing it's it's like a maybe a hundred or hundred and thirty dollars where um it's just a
1: single stage turbine yeah okay which should be uh, fine for shellac right
0: yeah that's more than enough for shellac more than enough shellac, um, and that's something to, to to maybe look at.
1: Yeah,
2: Brian, uh, thoughts? I Got nothing for you on this one. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't spray, right? Yeah, I'll be I'll be real honest. I got yeah, not a not much to add there.
0: We're gonna get you spraying, Brian.
2: <laughs> <sighs> not when I've got Jim to spray all my stuff for me. That's
1: right. Well, you guys you know, have a guy that does it, huh?
0: And he's really good
1: at at PD indie, right?
0: Yeah, he's really good too.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, guy, I think uh, I think it's off to you next.
0: Yes, and this question is from Theo Theo Ranky. Theo and I go way back. He's actually my son's best friend growing mm-hmm. up. I've known Theo since he was about I think nine or ten years old. <laughs> so. It's been a few years. Um, Anyways, it says, hey, gentlemen and guy. Thanks, Theo. Uh, Thanks for the great podcast. I'm lucky enough to be able to pester guy directly with my questions. And he is gracious enough to answer them. Typically, depends if I'm busy or not. He's asking, do you have any dream projects? Something that you've always wanted to build, but just haven't had the time or resources to do. Think you will ever get to it. Thanks again for sharing all your knowledge. Look forward to hearing your answers. I've thought about this quite a mm. bit since I saw the question, mm-hmm. and I I still don't have like a like a bucket list project that I really want to do because I've I've done so many different things. Um. It's, it's very hard for me to answer. I, I really can't think of anything that I really haven't done that I really wanted to get done in my career. I'm more interested to hear what you guys have to say. Brian, mm-hmm. you're just starting out, you know, I shouldn't say just starting out, but fairly new to the craft.
2: Fairly new to the craft. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I, I shared this one. I shared this one a couple of podcasts ago, um, but I I would really, really like to build, um, and I put this in dream projects because I don't have any immediate plans to do it, Um, Mm -hmm. but like a really cool um, mid-century style uh, credenza made out of walnut with um, continuous grain, like case miters, um, like a really, really nice continue uh continuous grain on the on the doors or drawer fronts however however i do the front of it and just some really kind of shapely legs i don't know if shapely is a word but um sure. just yeah <laughs> just something that's got some you know some softness to it there and and a piece that we can put in a part of our house where where we're going to see it every day and really admire it for for its beauty but also for its functionality because mm-hmm. um, our house doesn't have a lot of storage space there's a lot of open rooms but not a yeah. lot of places to put things so we've got board games piled up in the corner of our living room just sitting mm-hmm. on the floor right now <laughs> um so to have a spot to put that um that would be that would be the dream project but no no immediate plans because if i did it i'd want to do it right mm-hmm. and that would mean probably expensive lumber and and a lot of time that i just don't have a lot of right now no, yeah walnut that,
0: well, that is yeah. not that expensive brian it's
2: cheaper than plywood, plywood. <laughs> that's true. I just, yeah. <laughs> don't get me started on the cost of plywood. Yeah. Yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> Has it gone up again? Uh, it's
2: just it's uh, crazy. I don't know. I just I've I just bought ash plywood for like one hundred and seventy dollars a sheet oh, the other day. That's ash. Oh my goodness. It is, right. but still. ash is
0: more expensive than anything else we buy. I know. I know. We shouldn't be buying ash plywood.
2: Wait, a minute, did you buy it for PD Indy? Yeah. No, no, no. I bought it for for one of my own own projects. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Uh uh like a built-in type build for a client of mine. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Dream Project. What about you? Dream Project.
1: You know, it changes, man. Uh, you know, I think last time I talked, we talked about this. I think I, I mentioned sort of a modern credenza but uh, but, I mean, I'm gonna do that this year, so I you know I can't say that I gotta think of something different um actually, when I went to Tim Fuller's shop in Iowa, uh he was building a Mora clock, and I thought that thing was so cool um yeah. the 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 bent panel um the clock mechanism, yeah
0: was well, just, just finishing that when I when I stopped by his place.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he built like two more later on. I think who, recently. Who was that? Just, Tim, Tim Fuller, Fuller, uh retired with wood. He 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 has a sawmill um and a shop and he's retired, and all he does is you know, cut wood. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's pretty cool. He's got a pretty cool deal and pretty cool setup. But yeah, man, he built this uh more clock walnut mora clock. Oh my goodness, this is so cool. And of course, he had, you know, the nice, really nice high-end clock movement and whatnot. So Yeah, yeah I think I'll say a Mora clock. I'd I'd love to build one of those. So there. There you go. My there dream, go. my dream project.
2: And what exactly is a mora clock? How is that different It's, it's like a, a clock? big pendulum clock. Big but yeah. Pendulum so clock. have God. you have you ever
1: watched Beauty and the Beast? Uh,
2: like it's the, been the, a few years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so there's a there's a one of the characters is a clock i think it's he's like the butler or something and he's a clock oh, yeah. and that he, i think he's a a clock so <laughs> gotcha. so he's, so he's got the yeah the round face and sort of the hourglass uh you know body to it yeah Yep. pretty pretty neat <laughs> okay
2: i'm seeing some yeah. pictures online now
1: that is really neat yeah really? being the beast am i right the, the the butler or whatever maybe i'm wrong <laughs> Guys over here shaking his head, is like, "What are you talking about?"
2: Anyway, I'd, I'd buy that. I'd buy it for a dollar. You've got me convinced.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, shoot the question back over
2: to you, then, Brian. Oh, back over to me. All right. This is from Nick, and Nick is a hobbyist woodworker from Sydney, Australia. Oh, good day, mate. Yep. Um, Due to is- <laughs> Due to space constraints and budget, and also because they kind of scare me so far, I don't have a table saw and have been making all of my furniture and cabinets using my Festool TS55 and a range of jigs. I'm quite do. happy with what I can achieve using just the track saw and some jigs, and have been inspired by YouTuber Peter Millard and all he achieved with his. Mm -hmm. One operation I can't seem to get right is miter joints on cabinet boxes. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for achieving clean and accurate bevel cuts with the track saw for constructing these types of pieces or am I kidding myself and should stick to butt joints and, or just save up and get a table saw Mm -hmm. looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, Well, as far as track saws go, I think you've probably got the best in the business. Um, So making those, miter joints on cabinet boxes we were just talking talking with a few guys about this uh a week or two ago and do it, the problem with doing it on a table saw is that the like it's really hard to keep that board completely flat i mean it has to be perfectly flat to begin with but it gets really difficult to keep it as flat as it needs to be as it goes goes through the blade or passes through the blade not to mention you've tend to have really i mean longer pieces for a cabinet miter and and are probably having to use a sled or um a sled or miter gauge or something there too um at work we have a panel saw where we can actually clamp it flat to that and pass it through Um, and we get really good case miters that way um the suggestion when we were talking about how to do this if you don't have a panel saw, which very few of us do, um, was actually to um, consider using a router for it. And I haven't tried it, but with the router and a, and the right size chamfering bit, the, the theory was that you can kind of nibble away at that cut and creep up on your final depth. And because that, router base is fairly small. It will ride with, you know, any, any curvature of the wood if, if your board is just slightly out of flat in a way that maybe at the table saw it wouldn't quite work that way. Um, and that you've got a better chance then of, of pulling it tight when you glue it up uh, if you used a router. But Guy, I'm interested to hear your perspective on this.
0: Um, I always use router table. I've actually done videos on it before on my YouTube channel.
2: Can you do that? Can you do that with like a cabinet size yep. miter as well at yep. the router table? Yep. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You can do an eight foot board on the router table. Why can't you do a you know, 24 or 25 inch cabinet piece? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I always use the router table. It's 10 times more accurate than the table However, ever could be
2: yeah now when you do that are you are you using a sled of nope. any sort or a miter gauge to push it cab- through
0: not when i'm doing cabinet stuff if i'm using plywood absolutely not ply there okay. is no grain to plywood so there is no such thing as end grain or, or ripping it it's yeah what that it, it just doesn't matter except for yeah. the top surfaces so mm-hmm. yeah i just push it right on through
2: mm-hmm. you
0: have to get a really big bit yeah. for it because it, the, most of the, the chamfer bits yeah. only go up to like yeah. you know three eighths yeah. or a quarter of an inch yeah so or yeah. A, a half an inch so you have to yeah. get a, a, a special bit to do it which yeah. i do have yeah. i do it on solid wood too so yep.
2: yeah mm-hmm. is there is there Absolutely. any and we as i kind of restate the question i i i steered it in a different direction but Getting back to his original question is: Is it possible to do this well with a track saw, or is he, or is he just kidding himself? What do you think? We
1: I've tried it with a track saw, and I felt like I I got better results on the table saw and on the router table than the track saw. And the problem that I realized with the track saw is. One, I'm not so so confident that that 45, <coughs> excuse me, is a true 45 on the track saw. But secondly, um, it tends to want to tilt on you, um, and it's hard to keep it maintained uh, flat on that track. Um, it tends to want to tilt on you, um, and I got a lot of burning when I used it used a track saw. Um, uh, it worked. But uh, but I wasn't as satisfied as I was with the router table or the table saw, and if if I had a hierarchy of case miters, I would say probably the router table, then the table saw, then the track saw is is sort of what my preference is, and and I've done all of them, but yeah, the router table tends to always get it perfect.
0: Yeah, now I, I should restate my router. T- Table, not handheld. Table. Don't try to do it by hand. It's a it's a fool's game.
1: It's too big of a bit. Yep. Yeah.
0: You'll never you'll never get an even cut with it. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. It's it doesn't work well. You mm-hmm. got to use router table and and feather boards.
1: Yep. For it to yep. work right. Yep. Agreed. For whatever right. that's worth.
0: All right. Well, I think right. it. Uh, Is it back to me already? No, it's it's me. over to we.
1: Yep, yep, yep. You got two questions tonight, we? I get two. Can you believe it? Well, I get two every week. But uh, but this one actually is by somebody named Brian Schmidt. (laughs) Oh, me? (laughs) Yeah. I have a question about refinishing a shelf. I built a floating shelf out of walnut about two years ago and did a miter fold. I miter folded the edges all the way around. It's a small shelf, only 32 inches long, 3 inches tall, and 6 inches deep. My wife would like the same size shelf in white oak. Could I sand back the finish and veneer it in white oak? Or do I need to start from scratch and build a new shelf? Interesting question. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm eating sunflower seeds, so I, I think I got some you know debris in my throat. Excuse me. Um. I actually uh, you know what i'm I, i'm gonna I'm gonna go with you here Brian I think you could if you if you sanded back to finish enough right so that you yeah. you'd get some good grip with the glue that you use I, I I think you could uh yeah I do think you could veneer it would you be using like some type of edge banding or
2: or whatnot so so the background here is we just Redid our our half bath on the main level of the house, and we shifted from a, a darker wood to a lighter wood look. Mm. So she wants to go from walnut to to white oak, and and my thinking is because all of my surfaces are are fairly um, fairly narrow. I mean, really, mm-hmm. the six inch depth of the shelf um, can be can be covered with a with a single piece of veneer. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was on veneersupplies.com last night, and I saw some, uh, a nice piece of riffs on white oak that mm-hmm. I'd be able to, you know, with, with one purchase, really do the entire shelf. Mm-hmm. And um, my thought process was that I would start on the face mm-hmm. and I would do the face first, and then I would and then I would kind of cut that off once I'd got that uh, glued on, kind of trim mm-hmm. it back. And then yep. I'd, I'd grain wrap each side. Okay. So you get kind of that continuous grain flowing around. Mm-hmm. And now I've just got a, a flat top and a flat bottom to the shelf to do. And I'll, you know, find the right section of veneer and do that. And then sort of trim that back um, and maybe, you know, have to finesse the joints a little bit where it all comes together. But it's a pretty, pretty boxy shelf now as it is. Uh, so, and, so,
1: sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. So, you would be veneering underneath as well, right?
2: So, to balance it? Well, the no, no. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a problem or not, but the shelf, I mean, it's it's already fully together. And, I mean, pretty well locked in all the way around with, with it already being all glued up and having sat for two years like that. I don't know how I feel about you not veneering the bottom of it to balance well, up.
0: <laughs> it sounds like the, it's, it got like
2: a, like it's hollow on the inside.
0: It's like hollow on the inside. So uh, you can't. You know, you can, so okay. it's, it's not going to do anything weird because it's a little bit of veneer on it.
1: Okay. Okay. What are your yeah. thoughts guy?
0: Um, well, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I guess the question is, is, what are you going to use for glue, and how are you going to apply it?
2: Yeah, well, wow. that is my question. That is part two okay. of my question for you guys. I didn't know. I not
0: know if you had. You were like, wanted to float something by us, or? Um, yeah,
2: no. I, um, if no, you want I to do something any, like
0: you want to do something like that, there's there's a couple ways you can do it because I know you don't have a vacuum bag, which um, you can't really use on this anyways. So the first route you might want to take a look at. Is getting paperbacked veneer and paper-backed. using contact cement.
2: Okay. Right on. Okay. Yep.
0: Um, if you want to go and use something like from veneer supplies, which is about 32nd of an inch or not, excuse me.
2: forty um, second or forty second
0: of an inch thick. Yeah. You can try you can try your hand at hammer veneering which is something I've never really done. I've I've done it very small amounts, but never something like this. I think that would be fun. Or you could use the iron-on veneer.
1: Mhm. Yep.
0: The iron-on glue. Okay. Like better bond or heat bond or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And okay. just
0: use an iron and put it on. Yep. That's another as another route you could go.
2: So if it were- so why I've, I've never used paperbacked why 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 paperback veneer versus just like a, a regular veneer? So I
1: think a- – go ahead, uh, Guy.
0: The paperback veneer is going to give a better chance of success of getting it on because yeah. if you've ever used, have you ever used contact cement before, Brian? I have not. Okay. Once you put that contact cement on and it dries to the touch and it touches each other, you're not moving it. Yeah. not even just like a little bit so the 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 paperback veneer is going to stay flat i never really was a believer in paperback veneer and contact cement until we did i did a couple of projects at work with it and i'm a believer yeah it okay. worked really well really well and it was super easy
1: yeah okay do. yeah really what, easy to what kind of veneer does uh veneer supplies have that you're looking at I was just looking at
2: like the, the regular, like a flat sawn white Oak or I'm sorry, I I think it's just under white Oak, but they've got a few, a few options for um, riffs on. I'm on there right now and it just had, it had a, it is in the flat cut section, but they do have some riffs on options within that. I believe he, he does sell paperback veneer, doesn't he? Yeah. He does.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. He didn't always. Yeah. Yeah. Right? you have
0: to, I think you have to buy
2: like a four by eight sheet of it.
1: Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Uh, two
2: foot by four foot or four foot by eight foot.
0: Okay. Yeah. But that's an option.
2: Okay. I,
1: I probably would, I probably would go the contact cement route with the paperback veneer. Yeah. Yeah. It's super
2: easy. It is. Cause it's so Alternatively, easy out it. I, yeah. Alternatively, it would be uh, using, you know, a tight bond too with mm-hmm. like a regular 42nd inch veneer and then taking it one surface at a time and gluing it up proud and trimming it back and gluing it up proud and trimming it back. Guy's shaking his head. <laughs> You'd have to
1: use some type of clamping call.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't work. Yeah, it'd be, like, it'd be like five independent glue ups yeah you know, it,
0: would, it would be very hard to keep flat it would bubble up and it would just be a nightmare um yeah. or you could just build a new shelf which is always fun too
1: which you could
2: well do there there <laughs> there is that yeah there is that option but we're yeah we were talking about it last night and i was like you know what there's probably a lot of different ways we could go with this and i'm curious and hopefully at least one other listener found that interesting or useful Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. we try not to ask questions on our own podcast but that one i thought Uh, might create uh, some good discussion. That was was the first. Yeah.
0: That was the first, yeah. It was a good question though.
1: All right, Guy, you got the last one, man.
0: All right, this question's from Jim. And he says, I've heard at least one of you, maybe Guy in the beginning, say that there were quite a few years that went by without a table saw in the shop. I very recently took a big step and got a Rikon 14-inch deluxe bandsaw as well as the Makita track saw. My table saw is a deplorable early 90s job site Makita. (laughs) really bad fence, zero dust collection, tiny arbor. It works, but Guy has maybe once compared a Cadillac to a Pinto and I own a table saw Pinto that got into a wreck and then blew up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. given my two recent big purchases what would you say my big limitation here by not having a serious table saw can I get by wanting to make boxes can I get by without another big purchase such as a table saw what do you guys see as limitations given my recent purchases Jim oh well, to be honest with you Jim I could live without a table saw I couldn't live without my bandsaw. Yeah. If I I had a bandsaw, I could do everything I needed to do if I had a bandsaw, a joiner, and a planer, and a couple routers. That's really all you need. And of course, sanders. You know, just a random orbital sander. You can build just about anything with that stuff. Maybe a jigsaw. But even then, you don't need a jigsaw. But to build furniture, and that's... You know, basically all you need. You can do just about any operation with a handheld router or a bandsaw that you can do on the table saw. We've we've had this question before. Yeah. You know, what couldn't you do with another tool that you can only do on the table saw? And there the answer is nothing.
2: Yeah. What about what about? Now that being
1: said, I really like having a table saw.
0: I like having a table saw. Yeah. But I'm considering actually getting rid of some of my tools. And the first thing I would sell would be my table saw. Really? Takes up too much, up too much room. Don't need it.
1: Oh, man. What's gotten oh, into was- you, guy? going to sell oh. a
2: tool? Sure. <laughs> it's know. not a saw stop, so you'd probably die the yeah. first time he used it anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about... But, um, what about-
0: Go ahead, Brian.
2: What about angled cuts that are anything other than four like we talked about how we can use the router table. Well, if you've to, got
0: uh, I'm I'm assuming he's had a uh a, a track saw too. I should I should I should say yeah, that. He
2: said he said the yeah, the, the yeah. Makita track saw and the fourteen inch Rycon. Yeah. So you're but saying use that for any yeah, if you got a track for, saw you can use about anything. Yeah. Is there is there a would you say though that the table saw offers a a higher level of precision off like off the machine than either the bandsaw or the track saw do? Is that an yes. accurate way of thinking about that?
0: Yes, but I mean,
2: yeah, doesn't mean the, you can't use the others to, doesn't to you can't use the others. meet the so, same uh, end. Yeah.
0: I mean, if, if you're looking at you know we we're talking about cabinet miters yeah. on a on a table saw. When I hear cabinet miters, I'm thinking plywood. Yeah. So it, it just, uh, it, you know, I'm not, I don't think I've ever made plywood cabinets, except at work, plywood cabinets that have miters in them, case construction-wise. Yeah. You just don't do that. It's butt joints. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's butt joints. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, who cares? And to be honest with you, in the, the, the course of a normal furniture project that may be a cabinet type of furniture or cabinet piece of furniture you're not making a whole lot of angled cuts most times. They're making yeah, straight cuts. You can do all that on a bandsaw. Get a bandsaw with a good, nice uh, carbide blade, man.
1: Yeah, and, and you know he's talking about here. For one of the first examples that he he talked about is um, making boxes. Hundred yeah. percent, you can make boxes. You can make some little boxes. You can make big boxes with 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 the tools that you have. You don't you know you don't need a table saw with that. Um yeah, I mean yes, of course. Yes, I agree with this. You can live without the table saw. I I, I just want my table saw.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's nice to have. It's a creature
2: uh, comfort, yes, of yeah, course.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We if you had if you had to give up either your table saw or your band saw, which one would you give up? Oh, that's like telling like which
1: what child would you give up? <laughs> like, oh, come on. <laughs> table saw or bandsaw i use the bandsaw so much but i'm i I be i've become so dependent on joinery type cuts with the table saw i don't know Mm -hmm. why but i have um i guess just how my brain works but uh, bandsaw how the heck no i can't get rid of the bandsaw i do so many rips and and resawing with it oh my goodness and curve cuts. I mean, I I just use so much, and I'm always finding new new ways of using the bandsaw. I'm like I'm always thinking of like a jig or something. I don't know. I can't get rid of the, either one. That's
2: that's not a fair question.
1: Drill press, okay. I'll get rid of the drill press. All right.
2: There you, there you go. I'll get rid of my hammer drill. Yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah, but I I, I can easily live without a table saw. Oof. If it was for my bandsaw or my table saw, the ba- table saw would be gone first. There just there's really no
1: if, you know, I will agree with that. If I had to, right? If I had to get rid of one, I I'd get rid of the table saw before I got rid of my bandsaw. I agree with that.
0: I just want the extra room in my shop more than anything else. I'm, I'm sure gonna keep it. I still wanna do stuff. But I mean it just takes up so much room.
1: Yeah, it does.
2: Agreed. I would have so much room for activities if I did not have a table saw in my workshop. It's a Step Brothers reference. Um, I don't have a bandsaw, so it's hard, you know, I I really, 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 really want a bandsaw. And my goal is to get one by the end of the year. But until I get one, it's hard for me to imagine not having a table saw. What what kind Mm -hmm. of bandsaw are you looking at? um either the laguna or jet 14 inch
1: oh the laguna is kind of short coming from a tall guy like guy
2: yeah yeah, i've done very little research into it i i would like to stay under two thousand dollars on it
0: oh that's not gonna be a problem go look at the laguna we have at the office at the office at work yeah i mean that thing is like that's be a that's to one ease. that's our it's,
2: circle cutting bandsaw, right?
0: Yeah, that table on yeah. that thing is so short.
2: Yeah, I mean, makes sense that ridiculous. it's a circle <laughs> cutting <tables. laughs> bandsaw. Well, yeah, we've
0: got a, we've got a table saw, a bandsaw set up just to cut tables. Yeah, we have yeah. to. We oh, have it's, circles, to. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty In cool circles, how they
2: do yeah. that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I I hope that answers your question there, Jim, mm-hmm. and. You know, the the track saw is a very useful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason at work, we got rid of our TS 75s. i will never understand that. Yep. They got rid of the 75s and brought in 55s. So we, we, can't, we can't cut big thick slabs anymore with the with the 55. track saw. Yeah. So we just um, we
2: just built we just built some table or they, th- they might be benches tables or benches, two inch thick, two inch finished thickness ash with uh case miters. <laughs> it's, and how'd you, how'd you guys cut the case? How'd you guys I don't cut know? That? How did, how did they do that? They do that on the panel saw guy. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Probably on the panel saw. Yeah. We've got a big, big grizzly sliding, sliding table saw. Um.
0: But it doesn't cut any deeper than any other table saw it still has a three and an eighth inch depth of cut on it just like a regular even tendon. with the
2: tw- even with the 12 inch
0: blade even with the 12 inch blade hmm. it's still a three and an eighth inch that's okay. why i always get upset when they they start selling you know legs that are four inches thick just sell <laughs> three inches thick you know they got four inch thick legs on a on a three by five table why wow. <laughs> You can't cut them. There's no machine that we have that will cut those. So, anyways, that's, another, that's a discussion for another time. All right. I think that's going to do it for the questions. What do you got going on in your shop right now that you're back in the shop?
2: Yeah, man. I, I am working on a cabinetry build for a client right now. And Ooh. I got all of my ash in and it's acclimating. I started building face frames last week. I'm, I've got a lot of like half finished projects that were sitting on the bench when Lent rolled around. So I'm working on finishing those off. Um, and then a cookbook stand for my wife and a new coffee table and a new shelf. So <laughs> wow. lots of, lots of honeydew projects right now.
0: What kind so, of a coffee table are you going to build?
2: Um, it's going to be uh white Oak. I've got it already all glued up. Um, it's just going to be like a 30 inch round white oak with kind of an under bevel to it and I'm not even sure what kind of base I'm going to use yet if I'm going to buy one or or build one but buy one just, I mean just some cheap metal base I mean not cheap metal base but something <laughs> a yeah. metal base yeah I hear you <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. It's hard to
2: get inspired on base design. I don't know. You either have that in your head or you don't. And I just do not have any, any design ideas well, for bases.
0: Come, come find me and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Cause right. I got a All lot, right. I got a lot of stuff rattling around in the, in the design bucket work. So,
2: okay. All right. Uh-oh. We, what, what are you working on?
1: Oh man. I got the, uh, base assembly for those bracket feet done. That was easy. It was just, it was just a, lattice box, some matrix of, yeah you know, strips of wood, fairly easy. And then I got the face frames all milled up. And, uh, I, I just use dominoes on the face frames, uh, for the rails and styles of the face frames. Um, and then I, I, I've, I've got to, uh, use the biscuit joiner for, uh, to attach the face frames to the the cabinet carcass. And then Saturday, I've got to go back to Belvidere, Tennessee, which is about an hour away and pick up more lumber from this lady. And my finger is doing better. A lot better. <laughs> it's a lot better. You see, just, just a little yep. bit of the nail missing, but it's a lot better. So good guy. What do you got going on, man? Nothing, nothing, <laughs>
0: nothing. Nothing. You got nothing no honeydews? No, I, I, it's, it's, it's warm out. the last couple weekends, and uh, that means that I'm not allowed to do anything but work in the yard, which I just despise. I would rather stick knitting needles in my eyes than mow the lawn.
1: Oh man, I, I love like, mowing like, the lawn.
0: I can't stand it. I don't want. I don't want anything to do with yard work. I just want to hire somebody to do it.
1: Uh, I, hear so, um, I
0: hear you. That's that's kind of like my weekends till you know october is mowing <laughs> the lawn there's <laughs> nothing but yard work
1: yeah is so, it getting is it starting to get a uh, little a little warmer there yeah
0: i mean it yeah. was 50, it was like 45 degrees here last weekend that doesn't mean i'm not outside mowing the damn lawn
2: oh wow 45 feels like 5 so yep. cold it was cold it's cold yeah.
0: Well, it was nice today. It was like sixty-five degrees. Let's not talk about the weather. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I, I don't have I don't have anything going on in the shop. Uh, the next project that we just finished our staircase a while back. Uh, the next thing I got coming up is I, I told you I replaced. Did I tell you I replaced the, the floor in a closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I out the closet stuff and put a new floor. in. I've got to rebuild the closets. I couldn't believe how much people are charging for that stuff. We went on a website that you can like design your own closet.
1: Oh gosh, yeah.
0: I don't want to say who it is, but we went on there and designed my wife designed our own clo- our closet. And it's not like a huge closet. It's like, you know, 10 by 8 or something like that. It was like if you if you install it yourself, it was like $5,000. And then they wanted like another two or three thousand dollars to install. I'm like eight grand for a closet, really? What kind of closet
1: is this? I like, what, what's going
0: on here? I don't know. I don't know. So, um, all, every, we're, we're do the exact same thing that you know she did. A, the, the whole thing online. She prints out a thing, and it has all the measurements on. it. So I'm just going to make the same thing. Um, I think I'm going to have like a thousand dollars in in parts. Most of the the cost of it is drawer slides. Yeah. There's like eight. There's like eight yeah. drawers, and drawer slides are yeah ungodly expensive.
1: Oh, well, that would so, be fun. I, no, I I don't, not really. I don't find it fun. <laughs>
0: it's it's mainly because I can't. I have to build it and parts and carry the parts upstairs. Yeah. And then build it in the closet. And it's all melamine, so it's heavy. Yeah. And I'm an old
2: fart. So I think you guys that's, cussing, that's yeah. the end of the podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for the show. And we would like to thank everyone who left us a five star review on iTunes. It really does help us in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. And please remember that the podcast here is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions and you'd like them answered by myself or Brian or we, send them through the podcast contact page at (laughs) woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. And I can be found at Guy's Shop on YouTube. How about you, Brian? Where can you be found?
2: I do not have traditional social media, but I do have an account at simplecove.com at Brian Schmidt. You'll see a nice. few of my projects there.
1: Oui. I do have your traditional social media, unfortunately. Uh, so, But just go to my website, alabamawoodworker.com. So right. You'll find okay. everything you need there.
0: All right, guys. It was a fun show, and I think we will talk to you again in a couple weeks.
1: Talk to you in a couple.
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye.